You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I want to kick off this show explaining to everybody that I'm high as a kite. I mean, maybe not as a kite, but I'm, I'm halfway up if you're pulling the kite and you're running. High on life? High on no, White Sox no. baseball? No, I've watched the entire weekend of White Sox baseball laying on my couch with heating pads and back braces and lots of drugs because I threw my back out. And I might have mentioned this on the last show. I know I mentioned it on one of my shows, but like Southside Pod on the network didn't even come out last Thursday because of this injury. We limped through the last episode of Socks in the Basement because I was just determined to do it. The the EP podcast and every other podcast on the network has not happened since, like, I hurt myself last Wednesday, and this is the first show I'm back for, and then I plan on trying to slowly work my way back because I haven't been able to stand. I've been an absolute mess. I had We were putting a pool ladder into the pool on Wednesday, and my kids were helping me put it into the pool, and... The, the ladder started to slip, and the choice in that moment was to let this really heavy weighted, like, I mean, this isn't like just a regular up and down ladder. It's like one of these things with steps that go into the pool. It's a, it's a pretty hefty one, and it's held up now at about five feet above the ground, and it's me and my daughter putting it in there, and I love my little girl, and as it slipped, I was like, I did that dad thing you do where you just feel like you're Superman, and it's like, I'm not letting her get crushed, and so I grabbed the thing, and I wrenched my back, and I haven't been the same since. And it just continues to lock up. So, like, the doctors now put me on pain meds and muscle relaxers. And, I mean, I spent half the day drooling on myself on the couch. And we timed we timed doing this show around the fact that I was like, I think I can, I have a little window for us, Ed, where I won't be too high. And I'll be able to do the show. And then I'm going to go back and lay down right. and drool on myself some more. <laughs> so... That's the plan. That's the plan. But I I watched White Sox baseball this weekend. What? And you picked a good weekend for it, I guess. If if that's the silver lining of of all of your tremendous oh, back pain is yeah. drugs and White that's Sox baseball. The two things go hand in glove all, right all now. All weekend so. long was drugs and White Sox baseball. And I still wasn't high enough to understand Kenny Williams saying that they're going to be buyers at the deadline. Like, I mean... <laughs> oh, oh! Well, I I figured that one out right away. Kenny and Rick are definitely buyers at the deadline. They should be buying one way tickets. Well, out that's of town. why they're going to be buyers. They're going to be buyers because this is all they can say. All they can say and all they can do at this point is that we're all in. They got to push all their chips in and go for it. They got to believe in every little spark that happens. You sweep the Tigers and walk off on a Jake Berger grand slam, and you're in. You're in all the way until the end. Kenny Williams, according to Bruce Levine, told him that like he he's like, oh, uh, we're gonna be we're gonna win the division and we're gonna be buyers. I guess is what he said over the weekend. And you know, I I don't know when that was said, and and I don't know the entire context. I more read about the fact that Bruce was talking about that on the radio, but I believe it because I believe that this team, this front office, has to go all in. They have to be buyers. Because it's their only way to save face. The old man may not care about his reputation. The billionaire may be able to believe that he was the greatest owner in Chicago sports history and die in peace, even though it's the furthest thing from the truth. 
But the guys that are in the front office, at some point in their lives, will have to work somewhere else again. They'll have to. Rick Hahn will still be in the middle of his professional working career when Jerry Reinsdorf is dead. And so they have to do something, even if they're even if they're not getting fired at the end of the year. They have to. They also there's a lot of pride there. Don't don't tell me that you've listened to Kenny Williams talk and not think that that guy has boastful, overabundance amounts of pride. See, you can tell I'm on drugs for saying it that way because that that didn't make any mm-hmm. sense. I, 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 I was following <laughs> you. Get, you know? I'm letting you, you roll here because I feel like <laughs> the drugs are starting. But to you kick get in what again. I'm saying there. He's got so he's got so much. Yeah. He's so like full of himself. And, and he really believes he's really good at his job, even though he's not. That he's not going to let people like us or people on the radio or anybody else in print, on the internet, nobody's going to tell him he sucks. So they're going for it. And Rick Hines going for it because he's got to believe in this because it's all he's got. Otherwise, he's got to come to terms with the fact he's one of the worst general managers in the history of Chicago baseball for the amount of time and resources he was given, and money he was given, and what he got to. So they have to be in. It, and, and if you look at next year, Ed, looking at the contracts coming off the book, looking at looking at options that they clearly shouldn't pick up on this team, looking at the pitching staff, which will just be a couple of guys, and everybody else will be gone unless you want to pay them something they're not worth to retain them. You have to be in, don't you? Well, there's really no choice. The, the the window we knew as we were coming out of the 2020 season, right? We knew that that at the end of the 2023 season, contracts were going to start to be up. They're going to start to lose some guys. That this is sort of the end of when the team that they put together saying that this is going to be the championship team, this is when it goes away. And they're going to have to retool. And they're going to have to start bringing guys in off the streets and signing free agents or making trades. The problem, of course, is that this team does not have anything to make a trade with unless you're also selling. So in order for them to buy, they're going to have to sell. So Kenny's going to have to explain to me how how they're going to do this with a minor league system that is just poorly regarded and has very little, by the way, of, of top talent You've got two guys on the the MLB pipeline top 100, Colson Montgomery, who uh, has not played yet this year, and Oscar Colas, who has already had his cup of coffee to start in the majors this year and looked a little bit overmatched, but is doing really well at AAA. But is also a guy that you would you'd kind of identified as being a piece that was going to be like part of this championship roster. So your next stop, you've got Brian Ramos, who's shown some good stuff. Noah Schultz, who's starting to, you know, just really starting his career. Sean Burke, who has been not great. And then it starts to get into guys, you know, you get down to like the Lennon Sosas, who, again, haven't shown much. And it just goes down from there. I mean, it's it's just, it's not a great list of guys when you're looking at it because you're, you're getting down to guys like Carlos Perez and Yolbert Sanchez being in your top 30. And those are guys that not only do the White Sox not want on there. I mean, Yolbert Sanchez, for for goodness sakes, you've got a hole at second base and they won't even try and put him there. And you're going to tell me that somebody else wants the guy and and they're going to give you something really good and useful for this guy that when you don't have a major league ready player there, you're not even giving an opportunity to, and he's just sitting at Charlotte. So, buying with what you're going to have to sell off somebody like Lucas Giolito 
this is an idea that you and I floated. Selling off somebody like Lucas Giolito where you aren't going to pick up his contract and sit there and say, I'm going to turn one piece into two pieces. And it's got to be something where you, you, you trade Lucas Giolito, but you get back two starting pitchers. Or you trade Lucas Giolito and you fill his spot in the rotation, but then you turn around and fill second base or you turn around and fill an outfield spot or whatever it is you're going to do. This episode brought to you, like every episode, by the official home of Socks in the Basement, Cork and Carey at the Park in the shadow of the ballpark, 33rd and Princeton. An award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites, an extensive bar with a rotation of craft beers, familiar favorites, spirits, and wines. The best place to go pregame. You have a lot of fun postgame afterwards. Get the kiddos over beforehand and, and feed them. Uh, get them some uh, some great food. Uh, you have yourself a beer, and then uh, you head on over and, and you enjoy the ball game. And then when they win, like they did all weekend long, uh, it's a big party over there at 33rd and Princeton. See more at CorkandCarry.com. I agree with you that they can't make trades in the traditional sense of dealing prospects because they've been trying that for years and nobody wants their prospects. Nobody wants them. I believe that it is far more likely you see a Major League Baseball trade like you would see midseason 30 years ago, where you'll see a guy who's playing in the majors move for another guy who's playing in the majors because a team goes, okay, fine, we have a little extra of this, or it's at least somebody that's Major League ready they could use immediately, because that's the only way they pull off a deal, and I still don't know if that's possible. But we don't. We know they don't have pieces. Like they could get crazy. You could see Colson Montgomery start playing all of a sudden, and then the desperation in the front office. Kenny Williams finally does the most Kenny Williams thing he could possibly do and deals a guy because he's just a prospect, even though he's the highest prospect you have according to basically every publication that's out there. If he has a hot month, because you need to win this year because you have to save face. Look, I, I love the fact that people are very excited about how many games back they are in the central, but you're going to have to be over 500 to win. And you're a lot further back from 500 and you are games back. It's like you're, 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 you're playing, you're playing with the math to give yourself hope. And I love that as fans, we all do that. Trust me, I've done it. I've looked at the standings a few times and said, well, you know, I mean, like this isn't, this is, we're not completely out of this thing yet. Right. But you're going into your toughest stretch. They need to play well. They know it. Their, their de facto team leader, I'm telling you, he's becoming it, Jake Berger, the guy who wasn't even good enough to be on the roster to start the year, okay? He knows it. He's given all the quotes about it. We know this is a big one. Let's get going. He's hitting walk-offs at the end of games. That guy, I'm going to tell you something right now. That guy should have been in the lineup the entire weekend. I don't know why he wasn't playing on Saturday. I made fun of it. And then, I, I, I know what, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to point out who... Who retweeted that I was right he should be in the lineup on Saturday and then took the tweet away because I'm sure Jake reached out to them and said, please stop. You're going to get me in trouble. Okay? But I mean, like, I think that he knows he should be in the lineup every day, or at least people who care about him do. And that, that, that man deserves to be in there every day. He's the easiest person on that team to root for. He's my favorite player. I think he's the favorite of most White Sox fans right now, don't you think? I mean, I think that he is the most likable, easiest person to root for this season. And it's so funny because here's a guy who was a high draft pick who was forgotten because of all of his injuries, who has now come along this year, and he is the guy who's making the car go. 
He's the only one who's consistently going out there and saying, we're going to win, and then he goes out and plays like he's going to win. He's hustling. He's running. He runs everything out. He's available every day. He, he's he's making plays. He's 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 hitting the ball when he needs to. He's got timely hitting. I don't know what else I could say about the guy. Like, I'm voting for him for the All-Star game, even if he isn't the best option amongst those he's up against. Let Burger Because cook. he deserves it. Let Burger He deserves cook. it, doesn't he? He deserves to go to the All-Star game as the White Sox representative, I think, more than anybody. And I know Luis Robert has more wins above replacement, but Luis Robert disappears for weeks on end offensively. And and Jake Berger is the man in the moments so far this season. Well, and, and Luis Robert Jr.'s war is, is buoyed by the fact that he is a top-notch defender, and Jake Berger's war is somewhat tampered by the fact that he's, at best, hopelessly average. But I'll do you one better than Jake Berger should be in the lineup every day this year. Jake Berger should have been in the lineup very, very frequently over the last couple of years. He had been showing us flashes as this group of stars was coming up. And I'm I'm putting stars in air quotes. I realize you're only listening and can't see the sarcasm with which I say stars right now. But as this group of prospects was coming up, Berger was among them. Okay, And you're right. He was just forgotten because he had those two horrific Achilles injuries and, and he'd been hurt and... You know, his development was supposedly stunted, but every time we saw him get an opportunity, he showed he could put the bat on the ball and do some damage. And Tony never gave him an opportunity, and he was not part of that 2020 team. And then here he is now. He has played his way into the lineup. He is the everyday designated hitter. He's a guy who's going to hit the field every now and again at third base or first. I don't know if we want to see him at second base, but okay. He is absolutely... If not the easiest guy to root for on the team, because that might be Liam Hendricks still. There's a lot of goodwill there towards what Liam did. But in terms of guys that should be in your top three favorite players on this White Sox team, it should be Jake Berger. I mean, you're right. It's it's everything that you want in a baseball player is right there. He is he is absolutely he is hardworking. He has a great backstory. Uh, you know, the, the timely hitting. I, I know they didn't need a grand slam to walk off the other day, but it makes it that much more fun, doesn't it? You know, Len Casper certainly had fun with he, he the had call. A great so time. I hope he didn't it, strain himself. He yeah. was very excited. But that, I love that call. I, I know. I, I I feel like he needed to lay down and get I love that call, though. I mean, I, I love that call. That, I mean, it was a, the, the excitement oh, yeah. of the whole thing and just the way the crowd reacted to it. And just it was a, what a fun weekend. I mean, what an absolutely enjoyable weekend of White Sox baseball. And what a, what a fun call. And, um, you know, meanwhile, I was laid up. I, I almost called Hyatt Home Medical Equipment. I almost was like, I need, I need some stuff here to put me in. Like, I might, I'm going to need. they would have helped you. They would have been able to get stair it lifts, And I'm going to need some ramps and some grab bars and some lift chairs. And uh, I might even need the bathroom remodel because it feels like I'm never going to get any better. Uh, I may need to switch to a new age of life. We talk about keeping mom and dad, grandma and grandpa out of assisted living. I may need that. So uh, instead, you got to live independently and stop by high at home medical equipment. They work with your insurance. They have 0% financing for qualified individuals. And if you mention socks in the basement, you get additional money off. If you're using a CPAP machine and you're unhappy with your vendor, switch now and get supplies directly mailed to you. They also have the latest in continuous glucose monitors. Learn all about them at hhme.com or stop in and see them today at 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. The reason that I, I mean, I love Liam Hendricks. It's a great story. Liam Hendricks' story is a great story. Okay, but when I just look at at the burger story, you, you, you don't want to also shortchange that. And I guess I just have become enamored with him. I become enamored with the idea that the guy had these heartbreaking injuries. 
the the Achilles things. I mean, it was. I mean, think about that. He hurt his Achilles, and then he got better, and then he got hurt again. And he could have given up at any time. He dealt with his mental health issues and 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 feeling like he was worthless essentially, and he was never going to make it. He talked about it on this show. He came out, he talked about the whole thing, and then he started burger bombs. And he does this whole thing where he's like, not only have I gotten myself back on track, but I want to help other people get themselves back on track, right? And then, you know, I mean, just like the, the story, the story's been very public between him and his wife, hasn't it? Because of the fact she's active on social media. Yeah. And she, I'm going to tell you, she's a great publicist, okay? She, like, first of all, not only has she been on the show, but she does a very good job of like coming up with marketing ideas for the White Sox. Because if, if you follow her tweets and you follow the things that, that people do, she really does come up with an awful lot of really good ideas just, just for them in terms of like, this would work really well for my husband. I'm going to tweet this. And then you see the socks kind of start doing the exact same thing. But Ashlyn Berger like comes along, they, they get engaged. Okay. Now all of a sudden she's, she's pregnant. He immediately moves up the wedding and marries her. They're like inseparable. They're always around each other. Right. I mean, like you see him on the field and everything like that. You see their back and forth publicly between each other. You don't see that with any, like you always talk about the thing that's the thing that you wish you saw more of Ed is the, like seeing more of these players. So you could become part of their lives, right? Like that they, the, the team hides them. They don't really let them show up on all the different podcasts, right? You have to be part of like a, a major company for them to to even allow it unless you start doing like when we get somebody on, I got to go out on LinkedIn and I got to find an agent and then I got to harass the agent for three months and then the agent finally gets the player to go do it. And then we just kind of hope that like it all works out and somebody doesn't put like the kibosh on it before they're on the air, right? I mean, it's just a certain people the team likes, certain people the team doesn't like and in and really the independent podcasts don't get the same play. And it's like, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could get to know more about them? And you get that from the burgers, don't you? Because of the way that they interact with the fans. They interact with them right there on social media. They're part of White Sox Twitter, if you're a Twitter person. They're literally a part of it. Like, they they, they jump, she especially jumps in the middle of things. And it's never in like a, like a negative, I'm angry, somebody disrespected my husband, so I'm going to yell at him for it or anything like that. No. It's this really positive, like, cool vibe that they have. And so it makes you root for them as people, and then you know a little bit about them, and then you see him go out there through all that adversity, through not even making it on the team at the beginning of the year when he deserved to, and then finding his way on and making himself indispensable when you could tell the front office just kept waiting to see if he would fall off. Because it would be so convenient if he fell off so that they could send him back down to the minor leagues and keep retreads and, uh, you know, has-beens and guys that, like, that they they put their faith into, right? I mean, if Jake Berger wasn't making it impossible to be sent down, Hanser Alberto would never have been DFA'd and released this weekend. You know it. And he hustles on every at-bat. On a ground out, the guy is running full steam down the first base. You know, his base running shows that you may think that he's not an athlete. And again, that's another thing he laughed about on the show. But he, he is, even if he looks like he's bigger. And he just brings a joy to the game and the way that he's playing. That's why That's why I said, like, this is a guy I want in the All-Star game for the White Sox. This is a guy I want White Sox fans to go and vote for as many times as possible. And you could really get behind this guy in a negative season who has never gone negative. He's not standing at the locker room when, when when White Sox fans are saying things like, what the heck's going on here? So he, he doesn't come across in any way like chip on his shoulder or anything like that. All he says is, we got to go win. Let's go win. 
And then he goes out and backs it up with a, with a walk-off on, on Sunday. And he's done it multiple times during the year. So I, I'm going to tell you, I've got a man crush on him now. Like, I always liked him. I liked him when he came on the show. I thought he was a funny guy. I've enjoyed watching. i got an absolute man crush on Jake Berger. Three days of drugs on the couch and watching White Sox games has convinced me of it at this point. This is my guy. So now when Kenny calls him a prospect and uh, deals him over to the Red Sox for... Oh, I'm going to kill him. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> serious. I mean, uh, if Kenny gets rid of Jake Berger at this point, I'm standing at 35th and Shields or at least having somebody wheel me over there with a pitchfork and a torch. <laughs> And it is time once again for the Sox Nerd to give us a little bit of White Sox trivia, White Sox history, White Sox anything. Dave, what do you got for us? Sunday's game was a dream come true for the old Sox Nerd, Ed. The only way I could have extracted more nuggets out of that moment was if I scripted it myself. I have blogged often about the Shy Sox chronological coincidence where significant Sox events collide on a certain date years apart. One such example involves Ed Farmer and Hawk Harrelson. Both future White Sox announcers made their big league debuts on the same date, June 9th, exactly 11 years apart against the Sox. What makes this one even crazier is that Harrelson was the starting left fielder for Cleveland in the game Farmer debuted in on June 9th, 1971. Sunday, the coincidences were flying faster than a Garrett Crochet 2020 fastball. Jake Berger's walk-off Grand Slam was the ninth in White Sox history and came on the 35th anniversary of the Sox final walk-off slam at Comiskey Park. On June 4, 1988, the Sox scored sixth in the ninth, with the last four coming on Gary Reedus' Grand Slam to beat the Rangers 10-8 before 17,101 at the Old Park. Berger's game-ending Grand Slam also came on the 51st anniversary of the famous Chili Dog game. On June 4th, 1972, Dick Allen finished off a chili dog in the clubhouse and then finished off the Yankees with a pinch hit homer before a bat day crowd of 51,000 plus at Comiskey Park. But wait, there's more. The Sox also won on walk-offs on June 4th in 1957 on a Nellie Fox hit, in 1959 on an Earl Torgerson homer in the 17th, in 2008 on a Paul Canerco homer in the 15th, and in 2021, on a single by the Yerminator. As if that wasn't enough, the Sox also got Grand Slams on June 4th from Allen in 1974 and Paco Martin in 1994. And one more. Exactly one year prior to his first career Grand Slam, Berger hit his first career pinch hit homer, and that also proved to be a game winner in a 3-2 win at Tampa Bay. All that stuff is great, but probably the best coincidence that came out of Sunday's game was that cancer survivor Liam Hendricks got the win on National Cancer Survivor Day. Now, before I get to my zinger, Ed, I thought I'd go out on a limb. I am predicting that Andrew Benintendi will hit a home run during the White Sox series at Yankee Stadium. Yes, the homerless drought will come to an end Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. I feel the time is right because the Yankees have two righties scheduled to start, and Benintendi has hit well in the Bronx, which features that cheap, short porch in right field. Benny has gone deep eight times in Yankee Stadium, which is tied for second among all the parks in which he has played. Heading into the Yankee series, Benintendi has not homered in 230 plate appearances. Now for my zinger, would you believe that Greg Norton is the Sox greatest hitting switch batter against the New York Yankees? It's true. Among Sox switch hitters with at least four at-bats, Norton is the Sox top hitter at 377. 
I think he's got about 26 at-bats. So there you have it, Ed. All you ever wanted to know about June 4th and Greg Norton. Not only Greg Norton, but Paco Martin. We get a Paco Martin in there. Norberto, one of the uh, underrated favorite players in Sox history. People really took to him. Absolutely. How could you not? Gotta love him. Well, thank you, Dave. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Ed. Look at how miserable the team has been overall when you think of the start for the season and the prospects of them doing anything this year and the amount of fans who I'm going to tell you I think it's wrong to just say I'm turning them off and I'm not going to I'm not going to watch this year because there's still great stories and there's still good reasons for fans to pay attention to the team but everybody hates Andrew Benintendi which I don't understand when it comes to the Benintendi thing and the fact that White Sox fans like seem to really be mad at him I, I, I can only explain it in a crazy drug-induced rant which is a little different, Ed, from my crazy alcohol-induced rants. Oh, okay. Uh, which I have done. I have done them from time to time over at Hailstorm Brewing Company. And I, I they still let me back well, in. Well, it's a good place to great. do it. I, it's, a, it's a traditional <laughs> beer hall. You sit at a table with people and rant. <laughs> exactly. I got invited there this week. If it wouldn't have been... Who, the listener that reached out, and I, I swear he probably used his name. It might have been his Twitter handle. But this guy reached out and he was like, I'm going to Tinley to go to Hailstorm. Because it sounds great. I want to try it. And will you come out and I'll buy you a beer? And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. And then I blew out my back and it just hit me that I never made it there. Now, I ne- I, I, I hope that he wasn't just going because of me. Uh, otherwise, I'm a complete jerk, but I'm going to blame it on my back and the drugs. But it, I hope he also enjoyed some of the great stuff they have there. The uh, the chicken wings are spectacular. They've already been featured on Chicago's Best. I'm a big fan of the black and chicken flatbread. It's a spectacular flatbread. The pork belly sliders are a must stop by and get, and they are open for lunch these days. So you definitely got to get out there and try them. 11 a.m. on lunch. Tuesday through Sunday, Scratch Kitchen, Smoked Wings, all kinds of great food, the Pork Belly Sliders, and then check out the incredible beer list. Dominatrix is back. It's one of my favorite beers on the South Side. It's a triple-hopped IPA, but they have something for every palate because they're a working beer hall and brewery and tap room, and they basically make every style of beer and keep it on all year long with rotating taps. If you like going and searching for breweries and checking out beer, Tinley Park's the place to be. 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue, hailstormbrewing.com. So this is why White Sox fans don't understand Andrew Benintendi. It's because of the $75 million contract, as you mentioned. It's because it was the highest thing. It's because we're in this bubble here as White Sox fans. And if you only pay attention to the White Sox, you go, we're paying this guy like a superstar. He should be a superstar. When in reality, compared to contracts for guys of his skill set, that's what they cost. We just don't go do that. That is okay. That is such a major league average contract. Right. We, we just don't go do it. It goes back to my days in radio when I left Chicago radio and I went off into the world and realized there was a lot more radio and there were very talented people and there were people doing cutting edge stuff in other towns that I would have never known about. And I was a big fan of Chicago radio. And now I come back here and I go, ah, it's okay. There's some people I enjoy on there. And some of it I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. 
There's like 15 other people that do it in Des Moines the same way. There's nothing special about it, right? But it, it, and there's people out there that probably are so good they would come in here and they'd be they'd be huge. And and you don't realize that until you branch out in the world. You don't really understand baseball in my mind unless you go out and you watch other teams, watch them on TV, learn about their franchises, play fantasy baseball for crying out loud. I mean, I know you sound like a nerd when you say that, but play fantasy baseball and learn a little bit about all these these players, and also you'll start to learn about the franchises and how they run things. Because when you do that, you realize that that contract is pretty damn normal for what Andrew Benintendi is. And he may be having a slightly down year from what you would have hoped, but if your expectation was this guy's going to come in and be Bryce Harper, then that isn't what's going to happen. you got to pay Bryce Harper money for Bryce Harper. You didn't want to do that. And I think that's the thing. I think people are hard on him because he was the big signing in a disappointing offseason. And he was the best thing that we got in a disappointing offseason. And we gave him more money and we gave him the best contract that we had given somebody. And so if you are a fan with tunnel vision who only looks at the White Sox, you go, this guy should be the best player on our team. And that's not the case if you look at baseball as a whole. You really have to take a bigger picture of baseball. You could still be a White Sox fan and love them more than life itself, if that's what you want to do. But you also have to understand that there are problems in the front office because other front offices are run differently. And they're, and they're, these contracts are pretty normal. And other teams do things differently and they get more success. And then you'll start to get really angry because you'll be like, well, don't the White Sox pay attention to other teams? When is somebody going to realize we're not doing it right? And that's what this show is born from, I think, essentially. Right. That's, that's, that's where we are. That's how we're used. That's what we're for. We get this thing where we only understand White Sox baseball or we only understand Chicago baseball. So we, we see what the Cubs do. And the Cubs are not exactly a model franchise. But if you look around and you look at some of the other teams and what they're expected to do and how they're doing, and you look at a team like the Dodgers, where, yes, they spend a lot more money than the White Sox, but they also have a constant influx of guys coming up through the minors, pitchers in particular, that allow them to weather through some injuries, and they have just fantastic depth at all times. Or even a team like the Rangers, who sit there and go, all right, we are going to spend money, but we're going to spend money in places that we know we're going to get a lot of return on value. And we're going to go for market value for a couple of stars because we don't have them in our system. And then the guys that we do bring up, the young guys that we do bring up and put around them are going to be better. So they go out and they sign Seager and they sign Simeon and, and they're winning. They're leading the AL West right now. And they were a team that was supposed to finish with the exact same under 500 Pakota based prediction that the White Sox were going to have for 2023. But you look at how other franchises do it, and you don't have to be the 90s, early 2000s Yankees and just buy championships because that was the whole thing. White Sox are never going to do that. We're not going to buy our championships. I, I would take buying championships right now. And we're not small market like the Rays. Well, guess what? The Rays are really good, and they're always really good, and they identify talent, and they get it done with less money than, than Jerry's willing to spend. Why don't you want to be the Rays? There's plenty of there's plenty of better run franchises no. that we can look at and sit there and say, Kenny and Rick, why aren't you doing that? I also do want to say here before we get out of here. Well, two things. First off, Andrew Benintendi is down, and I know that he's down. Oh, absolutely. It isn't as, he's not it isn't as drastic. Year. It isn't as drastic as people are treating it because of the contract and also how the team is doing. If the team was doing well, I don't think people would be so excited about it. I expect him to bounce back though, because if you look at his splits last year, 
he had not as good of a time with the Yankees as he did with the Royals, and that shows that he's maybe the kind of guy who gets going early and fades late or fades late, gets going early. I, I want to see a whole season with him before I pass judgment, but I still don't have a problem with the contract, and guess what? You're going to have him here for another four years after this one because he's he's a White Sox, so you, you, you want him to do well. I wouldn't start piling on him yet. He's not the problem. The other thing that I want to say is this. Uh, no matter what you listen to on this show, none of it is my fault. As I mentioned at the beginning, uh, I'm, I'm high and I'm having Ed do all the post-production. So if somehow Ed airs anything on this show that upsets you, it's his fault even if it came out of my mouth. Right, I will wait, wait, finish wait the show here. with a quick three-minute rant on everything that's really wrong with the world. And we're going to dive into politics here. So here we wait, go. No, wait, we're Socks done. in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.